to Stanford. Two of 15 on third down last week. Here comes the blitz. Birnbaum goes down. Fumble for football. Vandals have it. It's Chris Stoffelinga. He is gone. And Birnbaum is hurt. Touchdown, Idaho. Birnbaum's down at the 33. his back or his neck uh, but you can see pressure right up the middle Kosi will come Nofoinga comes up the middle and there's just a big pressure that's put on by Maltosi and then it's off to the races for Nofo huge turn of events the Cougars were looking like they were going to put it in the end zone or get three out of it touchdown like they did, Baylor did to UNLV. What an incredible finish to that football game a week ago. That'll be we are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. And look, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you can see the show's a little bit different. No co-host, Alice Hammer in Spokane. No producer, Martin. So uh, buckle up for a bumpy ride with producer, Grandpa Brian. But we're joined by our favorite former University of Idaho beat reporter, or one of our favorite formers, because we have a, a few favorite formers. We need a power ranking show on our favorite <laughs> reporters. But uh, enough talking the superlatives. Taryn Kovach is back, second time in the saddle, first time as a co-host with me. Taryn, I don't know where you live. You don't have to tell people, but uh, how's it going? I know you've had a life change since you uh, were on Tubbs of the Club as a beat reporter. You're not. You're here just spewing hot takes. You uh, you told me you're ready, but Taryn, again, you got to update everyone. You're no longer the LM Tribune. What's going on? Yeah, so I'm now the full time uh, sports reporter at the Whitman County Gazette, uh, focusing on you know more of the high school, smaller team teams and towns in that area, like the Colfaxes and the Oaksdales and the St. Johns, people like that. It's a lot of fun so far. Um, but yeah, you know, University of Idaho alum. Uh, been a Idaho fan all my life, always down to talk some Idaho football. It's always worth following you on Twitter. I mean, look, you still talk Van football, so it's cool. But if you want pictures of like old stadiums, old scoreboards for uh, for high schools to play eight man football, Taryn is he's clearly clearly my go to. That's coming from a guy who teaches at a school that plays eight man football. But we're uh, we're done talking about high school sports maybe uh, if tubs the club crashes and burns someday maybe that's our future Taryn uh, <laughs> which is a future I'm done uh, entertaining but look you guys you know what we're here to talk about it's around the bar brought to us by Hughes River we uh we've got our final out of conference game if you want to know how the first two went one pretty well two listen to both of our post game reaction shows but uh <clears throat> before we get started this uh we have a special sponsor for this this episode, and dude, you guys, the Oktoberfest that we've been talking about for a while, it's it's this week, guys. It's September 13th when we record it. 
Oktoberfest itself for U- University of Idaho, Tap, Tap the Keg, that takes place September 16th. That's the night before Idaho gets to beat the shit out, shit out of Drake. So, look, come drink beer with Coach Jack before the home opener game at Tap to Keg. University of Idaho Alumni Association is inviting you to an on-campus Oktoberfest September 16th. Tickets include 10 beer tastings, a commemorative beer glass, and by the way, I can't go because I have to be out of town. I'm going to try to steal someone's glass. Live music and new memories with your favorite kinds of people, a.k.a. vandals. You don't want to miss this event. Check out uidaho.com slash tap the keg for tickets. So we're, we're in Around the Bar, Taryn. And the only topic of around the bar at this moment is Idaho is going to host Drake. Big deal for Idaho because look, finally, as an FCS school, we get an out of out of conference game that matters for the playoffs. Finally, as a Big Sky school, we get uh, let's say a a guarantee game or a uh, we're, we're buying a win right now. But Taryn, I'm going to throw it to you. You've been on the shelf for five ish minutes now doing a great job nodding your understanding of Drake, man, who are the Drake Bulldogs? Uh, they're just, you know, a bottom tier FCS team. And they might, that might be a bit harsh, but you know, the results speak for themselves. I mean, so far this season, they've had two games. The first game was against North Dakota state and, you know, everyone who knows FCS football knows that it's those guys at the top and they got, uh, it was 56 to 14, I believe the score was. So pretty well handled. And then they barely came out in overtime against the Division II team. So, like you said, it's, this is, um, I mean, obviously crazy stuff can happen, but this is as close to a guarantee as Idaho can get. If they do lose, it's more so they did something wrong than Drake did something right, I think. You mean something's wrong? Because, look, the Drake. Yeah, so Drake Bulldogs, we're going to give you a little bit, going to go a little bit over the character of this team. So Taryn already touched on it. Last week, Drake, well, I mean, Drake lost last week. They're 0-2. They lost to Missouri S&T. That's a Division II school. A not particularly good Division II school. Missouri S&T went 6-5 last year. In 2021, Drake Bulldogs picked up two wins. Drake games, if they are close at all, they're they're universally low scoring affairs. That that is just the character of this team, which uh, well, in with sorry, both games this year, that's that's what Drake's had on their end, fourteen points each time. That's whether they're playing North Dakota State or they're playing a D two team. That's two touchdowns each. In twenty twenty one, just as a reference point or barometer. Uh, Drake lost 45 to seven at Montana state and 38 zero at North Dakota state. Those are two big, we, everyone who listens to this show knows about Montana state being a very good FCS team. North Dakota is a pretty solid FCS team, but you, you, you guys can handle that math blowouts in each one. Um, so I guess Taryn first question, cause we're going to spend a couple more minutes just talking about background for Drake. If this game is close at all for Idaho. One, there's going to be a lot of panic in the dome. Mm-hmm. But two, if this game is close, what do you expect is going right for Drake? Uh, going for, right for Drake, I think the pass defense, first and foremost. Uh, despite X, uh, generally accepted identity of preferring to run the ball, but you know, being somewhat lenient with the percentages. Uh, I, I think that this is the game that if you were to let Giovanni loose, it would be this game. Uh, I mean, the last couple of games, Indiana, despite not being a particularly great 
uh, Power Five team. Their secondary was still a strong point. Same with Washington State, even though they was a strong. It's just a good defense in general. <laughs> so um, I think that if Drake does somehow get close, it's because they're maximizing any opportunity they have of forcing turnovers, and I think those come through the air uh, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. So like you're already talking about, there's a Drake is a pioneer conference team. That's a non-scholarship FCS conference. There, there is a gulf in talent between the uh, the top or even middle of the Big Sky and even the top of the Pioneer Conference. And by the way, Drake is not the top of the Pioneer Conference uh, right now. Sagarin has Drake rated as the number two hundred forty six team in the nation. Uh, if you're curious what the comparison is for Idaho, uh, well, first off, two hundred forty six in the nation easily worse than the big sky northern colorado's worse than big sky for uh sorry for the sorry northern colorado's worst segment team the big sky they're 217 we've all seen how idaho state looks pretty damn rough idaho state's a 201 so there's already a gulf in what we're describing between drake and the bottom of the conference idaho's at 136 so uh more than 100 100 slots above drake clearly there's going to be a talent difference uh, jason eck in his press conference did talk a little bit about some Drake players to pay attention to quarterback Ian Corwin. His stats don't jump off the page, but look, full disclosure, Drake is 0-2 and got their ass kicked in week one. There's no one on this team who you're going to look at their box score and you think, okay, well, that guy's going to hurt Idaho. But Ian Corwin, he's 23-55 uh, on the season, 244 yards. That's 41.8% completion percentage, four touchdowns, two interceptions. But uh thing Jason X said that we're going to notice about – uh, Corwin is he's not a he's not a drop back passer and that he doesn't stand in the pocket and deliver. They're they're gonna run a lot of bootlegs, a lot of a lot of plays. Honestly, it's some of it might look a little bit like Mason Petrino-ish Idaho in terms of a lot of passes. He's rolling out to the right outside of the pocket, looking for short yardage. Guy can use his legs a little bit. He's got 25 rushes for 48 yards, a long of 20, but keep in mind there's uh he's been sacked seven times, which Took, has taken 27 yards off his overall ru- rushing total. Uh, the top running back for Drake is Dorian Boyland, another guy Jason Neck referenced. He's 33 rushes, 99 yards. Uh, top receiver, top receiving target in terms of individual catches is Austin Flack, seven reception for 43 yards. But like, look, Taryn, Drake's obviously going to be doing maybe their version of what Idaho did in the last two games. So Drake's Drake's goal here is going to be to keep the ball as long as they can. And they're going to try to keep that score around probably 20 ish points. Hope that between Drake holding the ball and Idaho having no problem holding the ball, you're just going to diminish the total number of possessions. And that way the mistakes a Drake team needs to keep this competitive or magnified with the fewer possessions going back and forth. Yeah, that's another reason why I think they might uh, go to the pass game more on Idaho's side, just to kick those quick strikes uh, and not give Drake the chance to uh, hold the time and possession battle because, I mean, that's what Idaho's done the last two weeks is try and control the clock. And I think they know how to defend it at this point because they've done it for two straight weeks. And, you know, in terms of the mobile quarterback, kind of like what you said, uh, Drake's version of Mason Petrino, uh, another good thing, the Idaho defensive line has gotten experience against a mobile quarterback in Cam Ward week one and did a 
relatively decent job. So um, I think Drake is coming in with a good game plan. It's honestly with Drake, it's the only game plan they have to win. But I also think Idaho, just based on what they've done the last two weeks, is more than prepared to to handle that. Yeah, and look, going to run through some 2021 20, stats for Drake just because I really got to stress, guys. Drake is paying – this game is being played in Moscow because Idaho is expecting to walk over Drake. Big Sky schools do this with Pioneer Conference schools for the most part. I already went over Montana State beating Drake 45-7 to this year. That was why on my Big Sky Power Ranking show when I talked about Cal Poly barely beating San Diego 28-27. to San Diego is another Pioneer Conference team. They're better than Drake significantly, but they're certainly not good. That's why that was so jarring. The entire point of these games is a guaranteed win for the Big Sky schools. But look, here, here's the point output for Drake in 2021. They have one big game. They score 45 in their first week against West Virginia Wesleyan, which that honestly sounds like a Bible college, kind of like Zach Kloss opens up with in Moscow or, you know, a lot of big sky schools are doing the, the Bible college thing for guaranteed wins in basketball. And I hate it, but okay. West Virginia Wesleyan was like 15 people at the entire school. Don't even know how they feel football team. Other than that game, here's Drake's scores, seven points against Montana state, zero points against North Dakota, 21 in a loss versus Valparaiso six in a six, three win at Butler. That's a second win for Drake last season. So everything else is lost. 10 in a loss at, against Dayton, 10 in a loss at San Diego, that same San Diego te- team I re- referenced a second ago. Uh, zero, but it was a uh, forfeit against Stetson. So, I don't know, not bad. Uh, zero points at in a loss at Marist. 14 points against St. Thomas in a loss. And closing out the season with 14 at Davidson. So, honestly, outside of playing God knows who West Virginia Wesleyan, this Drake team beat beat 20 points once all of last year there's no way for this team to be competitive other than their effective running the ball which by the way that's a uh weakness for drake on a strength uh, that's a weakness on strength match that favors idaho and idaho is just going to have to turn the ball over a ton but actually in you know x press conference from a couple days ago that was one of the improvements he highlighted about idaho going week one week two where we're tracking what are these impressive losses or to me, what their impressive losses. You can, you can actually answer that in a second turn. If you thought they were um, what improvement is Idaho showing these impressive losses? Well, two turnovers for Idaho against WSU zero for Indiana. You have to expect at this point, Idaho is game planning as though the only way they're going to lose this game is if they personally lose it through multiple, you know, essentially self-inflicted gunshot wounds. But I guess, cause I, now we're, to me, it's, it's kind of boring now talking about Drake themselves. I want to throw it to you, Taryn. Uh, how do you feel about the idea of Idaho's last, the, the two losses since you're here? You covered them in the fall. I personally thought Idaho looked broadly impressed in the two losses, but was that your takeaway? Oh, yeah. Um, I think that against a Power 5 school, the fact that we came into the season thinking that the offensive line was going to be a weakness and the pass defense was going to be a weakness – so far, it looks like just the offensive line, and even though they were thoroughly outclassed, especially in the Washington State game, it didn't really look like that was something that was so bad that it was going to translate into the FCS season. So for the pass defense not to give up, you know, 
hardly any big plays to an offense that's supposed to be one of the most explosive through the air in the Pac-12. And uh, against Indiana, holding a lead for the first half, I think that the only thing stopping Idaho from winning those two games was the fact that both those schools had power five number of scholarships and Idaho didn't. I think that they've showed significant improvement in areas that we thought were going to be a weakness. And, you know, if kind of mentioned how there's one game for Jabani McCoy to let it fly, that goes hand in hand with the offensive line. If there's a game for, you know, the offensive line just to be bullies in the trenches, it's this one. But I think that Idaho has shown to be an overall really solid team that's I mean, Dallas kind of touched on it in one of the previews that they haven't shown the ability to finish games yet, but that's just because, you know, the depth of an FCS team, even a big sky team compared to a big 10 or pac 12 team is just not there. But I think, again, this is, I'm not going to say this is going to be as dominant as last year's Simon Frazier game was, but there's a game that can be comparable to that in terms of how good Idaho looks. I think it's this one. Oh, dude, absolutely. Look, we're one of the things that is markedly better is for Idaho has been secondary play. Like Marcus Harris looks like a very good cornerback in big sky play. Uh, Tommy McCormick has been all over the place, forcing turnovers, making plays. And look, he forced the he forced the fumble that Marcus Harris returned against WSU. He picked he picked off the uh, Baslack pass in the that was second half pick. Correct. I think so. Okay, the reason I'm asking is because the broadcast for the Big Ten screwed up and they listed Bazelak as having five interceptions when, though I would love him to have had five picks. That's a different game. He didn't quite have five. He, had, he threw one. By the way, secondary is looking significantly better. And the reason I bring this up again against Drake, Mr. Corwin, Ian Corwin, the quarterback, like we said, the pioneer ver- conference version of Mason Petrino against Missouri S&T. Dude goes 15 of 40 for 177 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Again, that is against a team that is nowhere, nowhere near um, as, as strong as Idaho. This is clearly – look, I'm going to shift over to talk about this game means for Idaho because, we again, we can do position-by-position position matchup. It doesn't matter. The point of this game is Idaho is better across the board than Drake. Idaho needs to get – is going to pick up an FCS win. And, look, the – I want some, I want to take your temperature on turn. I said in our preview episode, it really sucks that Jason Neck had to open up his first two with all the excitement that it has existed, especially in contrast to last football season around Idaho football. It just sucks that Idaho had to open up with two power five games before this. Well, Idaho looked pretty damn good. And in my mind, enthusiasm, this is probably the most enthusiasm I've ever, I'm ever going to see for an Owen two football team. So what Idaho is looking to do is one, we need fans, we need fans to show up. Eck in his pre- press conference referenced the number ten thousand. Man, we better get ten thousand people in that in that facility because with the work that Eck and Co have done in terms of outreach, the athletic department's done a lot of work with outreach too. And with the effort we, Idaho had against Power Five teams to start the year, if they're not going to get reward with butts and seats, my lord, I don't know what they're supposed to do to start getting getting butts and seats. But uh, this game to me is going to feel like it's not actually homecoming, but this will feel for a lot of people like this is the opening of what Jason Eck and Idaho were all hoping it's going to become uh, on the Idaho side. 
first thing I'm going to look for, look, you already talked about Giovanni McCoy and I'm just going to, I'm going to stay there too. Giovanni McCoy had moments in the last two games where you can see where he could be a pretty solid big sky quarterback. He's got an arm for sure. And he can run. Okay. He's not going to break a ton of long touchdowns, but he could run enough to extend plays that mattered in the first two weeks. I'm expecting to see Giovanni McCoy look like the guy I saw at the fall scrimmage and Taryn, you saw at the second fall scrimmage where he's, he's hitting tighter windows uh, Idaho is able to break plays. I'd expect, look, Hayden Hatton, to our knowledge, is not going to be playing in this game. Or to my knowledge, Hayden Hatton's not going to be playing in this game. But I do definitely expect we're going to finally see Therese Trainer look like the all-big sky level talent he was last year as a third-team all-big sky player. And um, really, ha- look, X showed he was a gambler in the first two weeks. I'm going to quit filibustering in the second turn. This is the kind of game that, I'm hoping to see Idaho get aggressive and put some points on the board immediately because if Idaho can buy themselves some flexibility, uh, there's a lot of ways Jason Nett can make this game interesting, even if it's a blowout like it needs to be. Oh, yeah. This is, in terms of making things interesting, I think this is going to be a, a showcase. I mean, you know, briefly mentioning Giovanni McCoy again before going to the rest of the offense, he had a really strong showing against Idaho's first string secondary. If he could do that against us, then I expect him to do just as well, if not better, against Drake. And just pause real quick, contextualize. You're saying in the in the scrimmages you watch while reporting, Giovanni looked good against Idaho's secondary, and we've now seen look, the jury is in. They're yeah. at worst a pretty solid Big Sky secondary, and he looked good against them. Drake is not that. They're not at all. This should be a proper showcase, even with Hayden Hatton out. You know, we've seen flashes from Dwyer. We've seen flashes from Jackson. Uh, Trainer, you know, hasn't uh, quite broken out these past couple of weeks, but I also think it's because he's, you know, on the scouting report, what scouting report Power 5 groups have on Idaho, it shows that he's the number one receiver, so that you're going to, on strong side or number one cornerbacks, you're going to put them on him. But, you know, yeah, I think Giovanni's just going to tear that secondary up anthony woods i mean again bringing it back to the scrimmage we saw him break a 65 yard touchdown i i'm not calling a 65 yard touchdown but we've seen in these past couple games he has the speed he has the the vision so i think him and roshan are both in are both in for good days um the defense i think this is going to be you know i think the defensive line is just going to be all in that backfield of Drake. I wouldn't be surprised if at least four or five sacks come from this game. I expect, like you said, uh, McCormick has been having a really solid year so far um, at that safety spot. Marcus Harris has looked pretty shut down again against power five opposition. So I think there's a lot of players and a lot of groups to look at. Because, again, this is a game that, across across the board, Idaho should dominate. So I think that, like you mentioned before, Idaho at least so far looks like a, a solid Big Sky secondary. And Drake is a bottom-tier Pioneer League team. They, they should be a, you know, pretty much a show-and-tell for Idaho on, like, what their players can do. Yeah, I want to talk about the receiving room for a minute. Because one of the things that both we expected, because Jason Eck talked about it preseason, 
but is not 100% materialized. And Jason Neck has said at the chalk talk of the fall scrimmage, it's just not going to in the way he had planned. Uh, Jason Neck, we did a lot of talk about two tight end sets right now, especially especially with Alex Moore being out, uh, undisclosed injury at this point. The Alex Moore had been the number one target of Giovanni McCoy through, or, or one of the top two targets of Giovanni McCoy through fall camp. He just hasn't been there uh, due to injury. But in the receiving room right now, you already talked about Therese Trainer getting off to a slower start, which in two games, three receptions, 42 yards. We all know look, Therese Trainer, he doesn't suck. It was he was going against the number one DB for one. Well, Washington State has a pretty damn good defense. Like they just beat Wisconsin 17 to 14, a defensive battle. That was number 19, Wisconsin at the time. So the Washington State defensively, they're they're real. And it's not like Indiana's terrible. Certainly relative to big sky teams, they're going to be fine. Uh, so we know trainer's going to look better. Uh, Jermaine Jackson, two games. Uh, maybe he's he's the slot receiver. It's a surprise that he's been as effective as he has been. Seven receptions, 161 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But you also hit on it. Look, the, this might be a surprise to people in terms of volume of reception. Freshman Jordan Dwyer has eight catches, two touchdowns. Uh, he's certainly showing why the hell he's playing as a true freshman. And this is the kind of game to me where we're going to see at least a couple of receivers. They're going to they're gonna get those stats back up to equilibrium if this goes the way it should, and I fully expect it should. Ditto the running back room, which is Rashawn Johnson looked way better in week two uh, to me than he did against Washington State. And true freshman Anthony Woods, he's currently the leading rusher in terms of total yards, Woods is at 21 rushes for 100 yards. Roshan at 25 rushes for 82 yards. Um, I expect we're going to see a healthy dose of those two guys. And I expect if you're a person who at all, look, a lot of people were, were impressed with Anthony Woods in the first two games because you should have been. Uh, Rashawn not as effective against WSU, but then against Indiana looked a little bit better. I expect this is going to be a game where we see maybe a little bit more of the two running back sets because this is a line we can certainly overpower and that uh, we're going to leave this game excited about the two-headed monster running back we have, which is different now. It Initially, we thought it was going to be Andre Carter and Roshan Johnson. It's clearly Anthony Woods and Roshan Johnson. Mm -hmm. And even though Andre hasn't been utilized as the number two back so far, it doesn't mean he's not going to get any looks in this offense at all. He's still a bowling ball of a person uh, on the goal line situation. I mean, we saw last year that, that was they used him a lot in there. I don't think that would necessarily change and we know that jason eck likes to run a lot of similar formations that have different route concepts and different run schemes in them we also know he likes to run pretty much the same route tree and same run concepts out of different formations so you know he's done so far even in just two pack 12 games of really getting a lot of different players involved and utilizing people that we didn't expect i mean during the scrimmage dwyer was one freshman that he was pretty definitive on was most likely not going to redshirt. And by the end of fall camp, he was the number four receiver. So him having a couple really good plays so far and showing that he's, you know, that he's that guy on the team is not necessarily surprising. I'm pretty shocked that he got, um, he was able to find a touchdown against that Washington state secondary, but, you know, in terms of him being getting a lot of looks in the offense, that's that was something I expected. I uh, didn't expect this early. I thought it was not going to be until Big Sky season. 
but yeah, um, and back to the running game, Roshan Johnson and uh, Anthony Woods are, I think they kind of like found a, a niche for themselves in this offense of Anthony Woods being the, uh, being the, the quicker back who can be used in a lot of, you know, third down sets and a lot of zone scheme runs to just, you know, fill any blocking holes quick. And then Roshan is, has always been the do it all back. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the strength, he has the, he has the vision. So yeah, like you said, this is going to be, I think we are going to see a lot of two running back sets out of this, especially since Alex Moore is still hurt. Um, but I also think there's going to be a lot of uh, play action and RPO and bootleg stuff. Again, I think this is going – I don't think Jason Eck is going to put his whole entire playbook on there because he still has Big Sky competition to worry about, and I don't think he wants to give him more film than he has to. But that's the point. I don't think he will have to. Yeah, he has called three trick plays so far. One yeah. against WSU, uh, two – by the way, side note, I didn't get a talk on the reaction episode. Stunning faith in in my mind to see that first running back pass from Rashawn Johnson, which I, I'm that had to be the rain that made that slip because Ed called another Rashawn pass and the pass looked a little bit better. If you missed the game, if you guys missed the game, first running back pass, man, and, dude, Whitney was open too. That the play worked as needed in terms of uh, misdirection Whitney's open no one behind him but Rashawn slips the ball goes 500 miles up two feet forward almost two feet still exactly it's basically a punt yeah yeah uh, but second pass uh, went to Giovanni but the reason I'm saying that is well he's called three trick plays against power five teams uh maybe we'll see another one uh Eck clearly is fine being a gambler or at least having a fun uh having some fun plays. He's not the primary play caller. Luke Schleisner is, but uh, you have to expect if there's three trick plays called that, well, X at least. Okay. With that number in two games. Uh, well, and I, again, can, no. I can say there's definitely more trick plays that he hasn't shown either. Too. Okay. So. so hot take guys, like I said, Terrence here for the hot take. He's slamming tall boys. Yeah. There, there's more trick plays to come. It is I, I wish it was a tall boy. It was, it's a truly, unfortunately, no, <laughs> You just, just you just destroyed the, the mystique. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, look, we've, we've covered this. Idaho wins essentially every single matchup. And when I say essentially, they mean, I mean they win every single matchup. Mm-hmm. The only end result for this game acceptable in Moscow is obviously a literal W. We're, we're not in the world of metaphoric wins anymore. Uh, look, Jason Neck in his press conference said he, Idaho looks pretty squarely like an average team right now. That wasn't to put down because previous years they've been a bad team. Uh, one of the things he talked about is Idaho needs to limit self-inflicted mistakes. That's how you beat good teams. But if Idaho is at worst an okay team, an okay to solid team, which I, I think I think saying like an average team, which is what Eck referenced, is um, selling it a little bit short. But we're still in the world of interpreting info from impressive losses. Those have to have become wins. So Idaho mm-hmm. obviously has to win this game. Taryn, in your mind, talk about aesthetics for a second. What is your definition of an actual win here for Idaho? Because to me, like, it, look, this can't be close if we're going to maintain the enthusiasm Idaho had from those first two close losses. It has to be a little bit different. I think they need to put at least upper 30s, and I am meaning at least literally, like, and – if they give up more than 10 points to this team, I mean, you you mentioned their scoreline, you know, 14, 17 seems to be their cap the past couple seasons. So if they allow more than 10, then I think that 
again, something multiple things went very wrong on the defensive side of things. And on the offense, I mean, they should be scoring from everywhere at will. So I think, like I said, I don't think this is going to be as bad as the Simon Frazier game or good for Idaho, bad for the opponent for Simon Frazier. But I do think this is going to be, you know, a pretty big statement win. So if I were to give a score prediction, I would say. We're going to pause you. We'll get there in a second. Okay. The So you're describing kind of win that I, I want I want to see. I got a question I got to ask you now because, mm-hmm. uh, look, you, you said on our show, Jason Eck was hoping to play freshman quarterback Jack Lane four games. Redshirt the dude, get him four games worth of experience. This is the type of game where look i don't know if an x mine it's blowout or not because if if the number jack lane's going to play this year is four games presumably a few of those might not be blowouts but if idaho is going to see jack lane play which guys i fully expect we're going to see jack lane hit the field if Eck wants him to play four games uh this is one of the games that i'd say this is a pretty damn safe gamble to expect you we're going to see fr- freshman jack lane play what kind of player are we going to see come in for whatever number of snaps Lane presumably is going to take? Um, a very smart one. First off, he makes his reads. And I mean, I think I talked about it uh, the last time I was on. He was one of the two quarterbacks along with Rich Dawson called that was allowed to be hit. And he took some, took some hits and he didn't really falter. There was a couple throws he made while he was, literally in the air in the process of getting tackled and he completed them. So he has a stronger arm than you would think from a guy. I think he's listed on the Idaho page at six foot or six one. He has a stronger arm than you would think, especially for a guy that size, who's a freshman. Um, But he's very smart. He has good mechanics. He reads the ball. Well, he and Giovanni are very similar in a lot of different ways in terms of like, they're both, capable of me being mobile but that's not their go-to and there's that's not necessarily their strength either but he and Giovanni are very similar um so like you said I think this is a game he's going to get reps um but yeah I think that's a player that people can think is just a or people can expect to see is just a smart quarterback who goes through his reads and is capable of you know taking a hit and getting back up he you know he was kind of a he really led the threes and fours in scrimmage well. And, you know, I, I thought it was unfortunate that he didn't get the chance to play in the second scrimmage because he was banged up a little bit. But um, from the first scrimmage, you know, if that holds into the game, I think a lot of Vandal fans are going to be pretty impressed. Yeah, you referenced, references build. Uh, Jack Lane listed at 6'1", 190. Giovanni McCoy is listed at six foot 175. So, yeah, that's uh, in terms of stature, relatively similar. So let me paraphrase what you're saying. Uh, Lane is – he's not beating team with his legs as his primary weapon. Like this isn't a guy you're going to confuse as someone who's going to be playing at Montana State. Yeah. But uh, guy has a solid arm, solid solid to good arm. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he uses his legs more to extend plays, although against a team like, like Drake that – Drake is Drake should be getting outclassed athletically by Idaho by Idaho. Oh yeah. So that you might throw that description out the window this week, but just this week, but you wouldn't say like Jack Lane's going to be beating Montana with his legs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, reference, reference, reference that coaches like his football IQ. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you just talked about a guy who 
look, the coaches are clearly high on Jack Lane, which clearly means uh, there's a handful of things he does. He has done well, at least in practice and scrimmage. Uh, we'll get a, we should get to see him against Drake. And I mean, realistically, I'd expect if, if Lane's going to play four games, the four games you'd have to expect X targeting would be at least these next three for the first three, as in uh, Drake, Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado. Of course, uh, you'd have to say context dependent because Northern Arizona mm-hmm. looks a little bit better than you might have guessed. Northern Colorado, there's a world where they can look okay. We'll get to that and pick in the big sky. But you, you just gave us a run through Jack Lane. Um, yeah, man, I just think this is this needs to kind of feel like a celebration for Idaho, as in beating the shit out of the other team. Um, seeing some a little more fun out of Jason Eck offense. Not to say his play calling hasn't been fun. It has. He's gone for fourth a ton of times. It's more us getting more rewards, as in in both WSU and Idaho. Or sorry, WSU and Indiana. Idaho had a ineffective drive in the first quarter, and then a long time. In, in between then and our next sustained drives, uh, we we have to see a handful of those. Look, we've gone through the details. This is going to just truly Friday come down to our defense. Defensively, our front seven secondary have already looked effective against power five teams. They're going to look effective against Drake. Now's the time for our offense to take a step forward, if only for a week, because we know look, the offensive line is not going to become radically different in one in, in a calendar football season, the, the, the guys we have are already here. You, you've talked about on our show, we've talked about private conversations that the what, number one offensive line guys look like solid big sky guys, but there's pretty, there's a, there's a gap between one and two. Uh, this needs to be a game where that gap is irrelevant. Now it's time for score prediction, Taryn. We already know it's going to be an Idaho win. What's, what's your score? Um, I'm going to say 52 to six. Yeah, 52 to 6 sounds okay. I'm scrolling up through the comment section because we had a cut in the comment thread. We had a handful of score predictions. Uh, for example, one of our favorite listeners, uh, Patrick Firks, picks predicted 42 to 6 Idaho. Uh, have Cheetahs, Will View predicts a 52 to 7 win for Idaho. Um, I'm going to go with, okay, you said, what'd you say, 42 6? 52 6. 52 6. Okay. God damn it. Um, Did I seven score? Yes, seven <laughs> um, I'll do forty-eight three. Is my project is my prediction for Idaho? But look, you guys again, you can handle that. We're picking blowouts. As far as uh, Dallas Hammer and Martin Hotte Keemstra, this is where you're along for a bumpy ride of uh, me scrolling through our outline. Dallas picks Idaho to win 45-10. Martin picks Idaho to win 55-17. Hot take. Taryn, need to have your response to Martin here, who we mm-hmm. love Martin. He's our best producer. 17 points for Drake sounds like the Martin sunshine and rainbows for Drake. If Idaho surrenders 17 points to Drake, is that a metaphoric loss for Idaho defensively? If the offense puts points on the boards, it's I wouldn't call it uh, a metaphorical loss. But just I would the defensive say, side of the ball. Just the defensive side of the mind, ball. In your mind, Idaho gives up 17 points. Is uh, Rob Orich okay with that out, that output? Oh, absolutely not. Like, from a fan perspective, that might be okay. But from the defensive coordinator's perspective, absolutely not. <laughs> that, that would not be That would not go over well. Yeah, you're saying, okay, 100% agree. Um Honestly, anything more than a 
a touchdown unless it's because Idaho is playing like their fourth string and we've uh, the game's over and Idaho's the Eck has officially decided, look, we're just getting people reps. The guys who might not play otherwise are going to be out here. God knows what that's going to do with the, uh, the final score, but look, that's uh we got score predictions. Obviously all of us are picking a picking blowout wins before we get to uh, picking the rest of the big sky with Taryn, who uh, Taryn, if you go undefeated this week, you're just going to win our pick them. <laughs> but uh, look, this has been a re- you're around the bar. Brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes? Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Picking the big sky. All right, Terry, how you've you've of course been paying a ton of attention to the big sky as a whole, correct? Yeah. Good answer because if you don't, you can always listen to the Big Sky Podcast Network power <laughs> rankings on this show, which goes through every single game, every single team each week. Idaho sits at number five right now. So big sky pick them. I sit at 20 and three. Dallas is 20 and three. Dallas and I always just pick the same games anyway. Martin's 18 and five just because he universally picks Montana to lose. So uh, schedule for this week. We're going to start Montana State. We'll finally have maybe some bad news. Montana State, they're like Montana. They have a couple FCS games they get to buy as wins. It's usually against shitty teams because that the whole point is pad the playoff rep pad the playoff wins part of their resume montana state travels to oregon state oregon state with wins against boise state and fresno state which means oregon state if the pac-12 collapses may be a solid mountain west school uh dallas picked oregon state martin picked oregon state who's gonna win montana state oregon state uh i think it's gonna be oregon state i wouldn't be surprised if montana state's able to kind of turn into a game like Idaho's had the last couple weeks where they look good or decent in defeat, but Oregon State also looks like a, you know, a pretty okay Pac-12 team this year. So um, I think that Oregon State comes out with a win, probably a two-score, three-score victory. Yeah, you're you're in line with me. I'm going to pick Oregon State. Thing I'm looking for is one Montana State is down to about their fourth or fifth string running back. Uh, that is that's not an exaggeration. The Isaiah Fonse has been he's out until well into October. When Isaiah Fonse is healthy, in terms of just as a rusher, he's the best running back in the league in my mind. Might not be the best like overall player, but as a rusher, he's the most effective rusher. Uh, Lane Sumner looks great in week one. He's out as well. Tommy Mallott had a solid passing game last week. However, against it was against Moorhead State. It was terrible. I don't expect Mallott's going to throw for 250-plus yards against Oregon State. But Montana State does have the lines on both sides of the ball to at least keep it respectable for maybe half. Like I said, Oregon State should pick up a win. If Oregon State can beat Boise State and Fresno State, they need to be able to beat Montana State. Next, 
Montana travels to Indiana State. That's an FCS game. Montana's third FCS game of the non-conference season. Who you got, Taryn? Uh, this one's hard, not necessarily because of Indiana State being great, but because Montana State traveling halfway across the country, it's, you know, sometimes teams just don't get off the bus. I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt and pick them to win. Um, but I think this is another game that might be closer than some people realize. Well, Montana with Hauk, they don't mind having the games be a little bit lower scoring than you might guess. You know, Montana's coming off a 24 to seven win hosting uh, Missouri Valley, South Dakota, who, by the way, Missouri, Missouri Valley, South Dakota is a better football team than Missouri Valley, Indiana State. Indiana State sits at 181 in Sagarin ratings. South Dakota's 139. 181 in Sagarin would put South Dakota, if they were in the big sky, just above Cal Poly. So I'm going to pick Montana. I mean, this is honestly the one of the ideal out-of-conference type of games because Montana has the money to do this periodically, even though it's a road game, is if Idaho, Idaho can get to a point where we're scheduling like Western Illinois from Missouri Valley out-of-conference, pair that with a Pioneer League game. That's the ideal. Montana's there. We're not. I expect it's not going to be that close. By the way, Lucas Johnson transferred from San Diego State quarterback. He's been like the ideal Bobby Hauk, quarter, Bobby Hauk quarterback, a guy who can throw for around 200-ish yards, is efficient, doesn't make mistakes, and makes plays with his legs. And I was going to say where the hell Indiana State is, but I drew a blank, and I'm done worrying about Indiana State. Uh, next game on our slate, Cal Poly travels to South Dakota – South Dakota, we just covered how they were last week. They're going to have revenge on their mind, Taryn. Uh, but Cal Poly, I mean, look, they're fresh off a narrow win over Pioneer San Diego. Uh, you know what? I th I always like having one upset on here. I'm going to pick Cal Poly to win. You're going to pick Cal Poly to win because you, like any person doing great research, you uh, saw Jane Jones, freshman quarterback for Cal Poly, dual threat, throw for 385 yards against San Diego, and he made you a Bo Baldwin believer. That, and I also think Cal Poly is the perfect trap team. I, I think they're a team that can, you know, if there's just, you know, one team one week that just doesn't take them seriously, I think they can uh, shock them and, you know, upset them. And I'm going to, I'm going to, predict that Sandy uh, South Dakota does that against Cal Poly this week. Now here's my concern picking South Dakota. The Coyotes in eight quarters, though it was a rough eight quarters at Kansas state at Montana, there's seven total points on the board in South Dakota. Cal Poly has looked strong against the run. They can't stop anyone from passing. And then also the offense on the offensive side of the ball, Cal Poly is essentially just the inverse. They can pass all right. Jane Jones looks solid, but look, Cal Poly is going to be able to run on no one. They couldn't run. They could not run against San Diego. I'm going to go with South Dakota, but this is probably the game I feel the least confidence in because of the, like I said, eight quarters, one touchdown. Uh, maybe South Dakota's reeling from the loss of last year's special teams coordinator, Rob Orich, more than we realized. Next game on the slate, we have zero win Idaho State against zero win central Arkansas. Now, maybe I should make sure Taryn knows 
Adler Vanderwall, quarterback for Idaho State, is not going to be playing in this game. He's out four to six weeks. He broke his collarbone again. Does that change your pick? Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to go from very little uh, passing offense to none at all and come out with a win. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I would I would say Idaho State probably loses this one. Now, it is in Holtz Arena. According to ESPN right now, you could get tickets to that game for $15. So maybe that's what Terrence is going to be doing is, no, like, look, Idaho tickets, way, way too expensive. Idaho State, if they're 15 now, they'll be like $5 from game time. <laughs> um, I'm going to have a tough time picking Idaho State against anyone, especially with Vanderwall out, because I don't know where points are going to come from for Idaho State. Hunter Hayes is simply not particularly good. Uh, he looked this week like he did last year in that five-ish yards per attempt, Dylan McCaffrey territory. Uh, Sagan Gronauer played a little bit, and he we've seen him over three years at Idaho State. He is not the answer. There's a reason he's not playing, and Idaho State has not been able to run the ball at all. Now it was against Missouri. It was against Mountain West teams, but Central Arkansas they're typically like a perennial number 25-ish in you know top 25 FCS team, but bottom half of the top 25. I am certainly going to pick Central Arkansas, but part of that is because when the Central Arkansas plays on that purple and gray striped field, even though that's not where this game is. But to Idaho State is going to have a rough rebuild, and I, I just don't know where their one's going to come from. Next, we have Northern Arizona hosts North Dakota which as far as FCS on FCS matchups in the big sky, and that's probably the best matchup turn NAU just beat Sam Houston state 10 to three in a game that abs- God knows who picked that game other than the NAU podcast, but who do you got in look to me, this is the game that's going to prove if last week mattered for NAU. Um. I'm going to give NAU the benefit of the doubt and say that Sam Houston win wasn't a fluke. Momentum is also important, and I think beating one of the best teams of the FCS can definitely give a team motivation, even if they might not necessarily be the favorites or be at a disadvantage. I I think NAU goes on a bit of a streak with with this game. I'm going to pick them to win. So you're you're riding NAU to have a bit of momentum when Idaho opens their week one of Big Sky play um, in in Flagstaff. I am still a little bit tepid here. I'm gonna go North Dakota. One North Dakota looked quite respectable at Nebraska week one. Now you might say, well, Scott Frost was still there week one. Point taken, but still, that's Power Five team. North Dakota looks solid. I honestly, if North Dakota won that game. Scott Frost might be one of the first coaches ever to be fired after the first game. Second, North Dakota, they North Dakota beat Northern Iowa last week. That's like quote unquote that Northern Iowa. I sorry, Jesus. Northern Iowa is kind of a joke in the Big Sky podcast world because it seems like Northern Iowa, there's nothing they can do to get out of the top 25 and get out of the playoffs. They're always going to be six and five and get the benefit of the gap benefit of the doubt but that means they're always six and five in in the missouri valley and relatively solid i have a little more faith there than i do in northern arizona which has 13 points in eight quarters i'm still not confident that on the offensive side of the ball enough is going right in flagstaff and i I need to see another game before i accept defensively 
Northern Arizona is what they were against Sam Houston because the last last season, last few seasons, NAU's been battling Idaho out past defense wise of who can be worse in the big sky with the only exception being Idaho State sometimes would take over that mantle. Sacramento State, look, we just referenced Northern Iowa and now we see another, maybe this is the other best FCS on FCS matchup. Sacramento State travels to Northern Iowa. Uh, maybe Northern Iowa gives them a few problems early in the game, but I, I think Sac State's going to walk away with this one. Yeah, Sacramento State, they're, if you're thinking of Sacramento State from last year where it took the Hornets a month to figure out what they're doing offensively because they had a weird two-quarterback system, it took a month to figure out how to do that weird two-quarterback system with Asher O'Hara. He kind of is like their Zach Borish, except he does they, – they do let him throw, and Troy Taylor's a much more creative play caller in that regard. And then Jake Dunaway is their traditional pocket passer. Well, they have that down. Scored 56 points in week one against Utah Tech. Yeah, Utah Tech sucks, but whatever. Um, I'm going Sacramento State because I don't think Sacramento State's going to have that lag time. I, they're picked number two by coaches, number three in media and big sky uh, preseason poll. I, th- I think that was the right call. I really do think the Hornets are going to keep contending for the playoffs. So Sac State, I think, is going to get a big win. And the big sky has to pick up some of these OOC wins against the Missouri Valley Conference. And if, in my mind, NAU is not going to get it, well, Sac State better. Our favorite Northern Colorado Bears – Travel to Lamar. Taryn, have you been uh, paying attention to our Northern Colorado deep dives? And if so, how has that informed your pick? Um, I didn't think nepotism could get any more apparent than what it was at Idaho during the Petrino years. But um, they they topped us somehow, some way. They did it. Um. I do have a question for you, though, because you might know more about this than me. I forget his name, but there was another quarterback that came in and was like, not a high bar to clear, but was um, better than the head coach's kid who was quarterback. Is he going to be starting this week? Well, look, that's going to be the question around Northern Colorado week in and week out until it happens. What you're referencing is Dylan McCaffrey has started both games for Northern Colorado. He's been unimpressive because that's who he is and jacob sermon transferred from central michigan who started about four games for central michigan last year he hasn't lit the world on fire but northern colorado's looked like a different team when he's starting uh in short look mccaffrey pulled his ed mccaffrey pulled his son relatively early so my guess is is sermon doesn't start mccaffrey has to be hearing it from at least the administration at this point I'd expect if Dylan McCaffrey starts, there is going to be a short leash. So, uh, and when Jacob Sermon's in, he's a solid RPO quarterback. He's a guy. Look, if he was in Idaho's quarterback room, I would not be disappointed. Don't don't know if he'd win the job, but he certainly would be a guy who, if we saw practice, we'd say, okay, I, I see how that guy had a, was a starter at Central Michigan. So, I know I'm personally going to go with Northern Colorado. I'm really not confident in the pick because Northern Colorado did lose to Houston Baptist, who's a shitty shitty FCS team, but. There, there is some talent, really. Like, they're not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's also the offensive play calling that even if Sermon is in that. I, I just can't trust Northern Colorado with everything I've seen and heard from you guys. I, I'm going to go with Lamar on this one. 
See, well, what you're talking about, of course, is a famous project offensive coordinator for Northern Colorado, Max McCaffrey, where led Northern Colorado to 12 points per game, big sky play last year. Now, if Sermon plays, they do more RPO, which kind of takes the ball out of Ed, out of Max McCaffrey's hand there. And that's part of why to me, I, there's a, this small amount of faith in Northern Colorado having some potential. They have one of the better running backs league in Elijah Dotson. Defensively, I don't know if David Hodge, he's their all big sky linebacker. I don't believe he's going to be back, but I'm, I got to quit talking about this game because I'm starting to talk myself out of Northern Colorado. <laughs> I don't have a ton of faith in the marks. I don't think you should. Uh, next game, man, this is going to be quick. Weber State hosts Utah Tech, AKA formerly Dixie State. Weber. Yeah, you're basing that off of Weber beating Utah State 35 to 7, not surrendering a single offensive touchdown. New offensive coordinator at Weber State. I'll look up his name someday, but I honestly I didn't care to research the offensive coordinator at Weber State because it changes every year. Nothing changed except maybe this year. Weber State looks for real last week. I voted them number one in my power poll. Uh, yeah, look, Sacramento State hung, hung 56 points on Utah Tech. Expect Weber State to try to – they're not going to get 56, but expect them to try to get to that 40. San Diego, Pioneer Conference team in our next game, they're going to travel to UC Davis. Even though UC Davis has like greatly underachieved, I think, even for the majority of big sky riders picking them to be around the middle of the pack team, I I still think UC Davis comes out with the win on here. Yeah, I think so too. UC Davis is coming off a two point loss to South Dakota State. Looked pretty pretty damn good. Uh, quarterback Miles Hastings looked probably as good as, as he ever has at UC Davis last week. Yulonzo uh, Gilliam, not as effective, weirdly not as effective against South Dakota State as he was against Cal. But uh, San Diego is neither South Dakota State nor Cal. So, no, UC Davis should win that game pretty easy. We covered Idaho. Eastern's on a bye before they open Big Sky Conference play with Montana. Mont- sorry, Montana State. Portland State is on a bye before they open Big Sky Conference play with University of Montana. So, that's the Big Sky. We have officially picked it. Uh, Taryn, before we before we call it a call it a night, look anything Idaho related you want to get to? Uh, this is your first time as a backup co-host, do, doing an admirable job, specifically with uh, the clunky production you've had to deal with. <laughs> Any other Idaho stuff you want to roll out before we close the bar? Um, I would say just uh, for this game with uh, Hayden Hatton out. Uh, this might be the best opportunity we have all year, or at least up to this point, to see Zach Borish at wide receiver. So um, for people still, uh, you know, uh, excited to see Borish playing what he can do at wide receiver, I think this is going to be a game where he definitely gets uh, some targets. Dude, I hope we get to see Borish at, at receiver at least, because I can tell you when – I know that part of this has probably changed in X-Mind because, look, there's been some guys who've emerged that when he first came over, there was no reason for him to know that Eck was going to be as high on Jordan Dwyer as he is or that Anthony Woods would emerge like he has. And that explains some of the snaps for Bor- that earlier when Boris was labeled a slash, we would have projected that those haven't materialized. But look, that dude, one of the weirdest uh, in some ways, unfortunate, but also some ways, interesting college football stories I've been around. He's been in five different position groups since he's been at Idaho. Uh, had 
had a rough time, you know, with Petrino, I'm not saying this is Boris's fault at all, but in terms of being recruited to play quarterback and immediately shoved out of the quarterback room, uh, then he's the running quarterback where every, you saw Idaho last season. The story was Boris was pretty damn impressive in spite of everyone always knowing exactly what was going to happen. A lot of excitement about what that could mean for this season has materialized, but I would keep in mind it's a long season. Uh, it's both a long and short season. It goes by in a blink, but there's a lot of weeks still left to play. Guys will go down. I hope we get to see Borsch's number called because I really think he's a dude who could be effective. He was our leading rusher last season going against the stacked box every single week. I really hope we find a way to get him in. Uh, he did not bad at wide receiver in practice. Well, hey, dude, talk about what you saw at wide receiver in practice because you you saw more than anyone who's listening to our show will have seen. Yeah, so for the for – the, for, wow, words were hard there for a second. For the first couple of weeks – um. He didn't get any active reps in like uh, any seven on seven or eleven on eleven sessions because he was dealing with uh, some injuries. But um, the second scrimmage in the last few weeks of practice, he was able to, and he looked really, really good. Um, he got most of his reps with the twos of the threes. But um, funny enough, we were talking about him. Jack Lane was throwing him the ball a lot, and they were they were connecting pretty well. So, you know, maybe that's. Uh, situation. Um, I don't know exactly where he is on the depth chart currently, but with Hatton out and Alex Moore um, currently still being hurt, uh, someone's got to get some reps in the, you know, in what in wide out sets and at the number four spot. And it might be Borsch. That might be something to keep an eye out. Yeah, in the depth chart published previously to the WSU game, which also, look, you're a reporter, so you know depth charts are kind of accurate. Uh, Borish was listed in the same slot as Jermaine Jackson, but as the number two. He just we he just hasn't seen the field. By the way, Jermaine Jackson's look great. But look, you brought up, this is, fingers crossed, this is a, this is a catalyst where we, we get to see Borish play a little bit more. Uh, don't mean that as a complaint because we have very good guys. We just spent a, we're at the yeah. hour mark. We have a lot of guys who we spent a lot of time talking about. Idaho solid at the skill positions. Uh, Borg is just a guy I hope gets out, still gets out there because I think he could be effective for sure. Yeah. We've seen him be effective. Thank you for bringing that point up. We are officially done, guys. Get your ass to tap the keg on September 16th if you can. Then get to the dome. On September 17th, we need to reward Jason Eck. We need to reward Idaho for doing all, all the right things we've talked about. Game kicks off at noon. Otherwise, ESPN Plus, guys, uh, we're officially done now having to care about do you have a dummy Fubo TV login? I did for a week. Can you steal someone's Pac-12 login? I did for a week. No, dude, it's back. To, it's the simple time now. It's all FCS games. Now Idaho's essentially in their own playoff where we have two losses, three max this football team can handle if the playoffs are going to be in the picture. We should not have to worry about one of those taking place this week. So with that, Taryn, thanks for joining us. It is time for the best band in all the land to play us out. If I can find the video in the brand section to close us out. Thanks for joining guys. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the craft. Oh.